Welcome to the Community Broadband Bits Podcast, a production of the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This is Lisa Gonzalez. Today, Christopher Mitchell looks into the Carroll County Public Network in Maryland. The fiber network began in 2002 as a way to improve connectivity for students and staff at the public schools. Christopher talks with Gary Davis. Gary is the Chief Information Officer at the Carroll County Public Schools, and he's also Chairman of the Carroll County Public Network. Gary describes the history of this joint effort and shares some interesting info on how the school district uses the network to bring education to a whole nother level in Carroll County. Chris and Gary also delve into the significant savings from the network. Here are Chris and Gary. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Uh, Today I'm talking with Gary Davis, the Chief Information Officer at the Carroll County Public Schools and the Chairman of the Carroll County Public Network. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Carroll County, uh, Maryland, as opposed to one of the many other Carroll counties we have across the United States. I just I just realized, actually, that I had mixed it up with uh, one in Virginia in a post I wrote two years ago. Well, the one we always get confused with is Carroll County, Georgia. We'll have people all the time call up and say, why are schools closed today? And we're like, yeah, that's Carroll County, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> they go to the wrong website. <laughs> right. So maybe you could start by telling us where Carroll County is in Maryland and, and give us a sense of, uh, of how you got interested in, uh, in building a network. Okay, Carroll County, Maryland is a community of about 160-some thousand, I think. Um, it's about 450-square-mile county in, in, in central Maryland. Um, so if, if you can kind of picture Maryland, we're, we're right in the center above um, Washington, D.C., and, and to our east and a little bit southeast is, is Baltimore. North is Gettysburg first, and then Harrisburg, and to the west is Frederick. Um, so we're kind of like right in the middle of a lot of a lot of activity, and the and to our southwest is the or southeast is the Baltimore Washington corridor, and then to the southeast or southwest is the 270 uh, Interstate 270 corridor, where there's a lot of uh, business and industry and um, government type um, contractors and things like that. So that's where we're um, located. And the interesting thing about Carroll County is that it's it's a great place to live. People love living here. Um, but the downfall of that is that we tend to be a bedroom community for all of these other places that I just mentioned, um, which can make it very challenging for, um, you know, from a tax base perspective. There's no real industrial tax base to help support um, infrastructure. Um, so you're basically relying on the on the, the people who live here, um, but then they're commuting every day and taking their tax dollars out of the out of the county. Um, interestingly, Carroll County Public Schools is the biggest employer uh, in Carroll County, um, with a total of approximately I, I'm going to say 3,500 employees when you go across the board. Um, so the, the, that's one of the challenges. And when I came to Carroll County Public Schools in January of 2002, I, I had been a pretty much a lifelong resident of Carroll County, but worked out in one of these areas uh, outside. I was one of those um, bedroom people. 
And um, I had an opportunity um, to work for Carroll County Public Schools, and it, it was a, you know something that I, I kind of kicked around. And then I decided it would be challenging and interesting to do. And the first thing I realized when I came to Carroll County Public Schools is that so many things in, in education, so, so many of the opportunities that technology could enable um, and and really create cost savings um, and, and and allow us to do things that we you know are constantly challenged with. And, and I can give details on that later but um, the the thing that I realized immediately is you know our wide area network um, is just not gonna is not gonna work um, when you say wide area network for someone who's not really steeped in networking uh, what do you mean by that in Maryland there's 24 jurisdictions 23 counties in the city of Baltimore and each jurisdiction is a local education agency it's it's the school district, whereas in a lot of places in Pennsylvania and other parts of the country, the school districts are very small, um, and that's something that's very important to remember. The, so the challenge that that creates for us, we have a total of 48 locations, 43 schools. Um, they all have to be on the same network. Um, they all have to be connected because of things like SIPA. We have to do filtering, the Children's Internet Protection Act. We have to filter the Internet connection. Uh, we can't have Internet connections at each individual school um, that are going out because then we'd have to manage and put filters at each ind individual school. So everything is centralized and has to come back. So when I, when I first got here, we basically had T1 connections, Verizon T1 connections to all of our schools um, and that was tied to a frame relay DS3 type thing. And then we shared with the public library um, an Internet connection um, through Verizon also. Um, so the wide area network is basically was a collection of these, these circuits that we leased from, the, you know, had a monthly fee associated with them that we leased from Verizon um, to bring the network. So that, that created our network. So all of our local area networks at each school were tied back together, the wide area network, back to the central location. So one of the, the ways I like to picture it for people who are trying to get their head wrapped around it is that rather than having every school location, every every facility connected to the Internet directly, they're connected to each other. And in this case, well, actually, using... they're not connected to each other. They're connected back to it. It's more if you think of a, oh, of a, of a, a bicycle tire. Yes, absolutely. Okay. If we're in the central office, which happens to be in the center of the county and Westminster is the county seat, we're that hub. And then all the spokes are the going out to the school. So it's it's not really I mean, they ultimately are connected to each other, but it's more, you know, realistically, it's a, it's a, a star connection. Yeah. Okay. So in this case, you have a 45 megabit connection coming into the, to the hub, and then that is distributed to each of the different sites. And, and those sites were all, this is all in the past, but those right. sites were all 1.5 megabit connections and um, individually. And so, Correct. Um, and so it's, it's, it's something to keep in mind, I think, is that when we talk with communities, a lot of times their first priority is to typically trying to get a really big WAN, a wide area network, to make sure that they can have really robust communications between the, the facilities themselves. Right. Well, and so what was happening for us, I mean, you know, and, and there's other aspects of it, but the, the first impact that I saw immediately is that, you know, it was taking some people, you know, some of the computers just to log in in the morning. It was taking 20, 30 minutes. And the reason is, is that as, as technology has progressed, you have to do things like download virus definitions and updates. And I think we're all familiar with Windows updates and how many updates there are. <laughs> there's always a new, you know, a new uh, uh, malware or something that they, you know, they have to patch something. Thing. Um, so what would happen when people would log in the morning, all these things would have to download from the central location over the Internet, and it was just – it was very hard to manage. Uh, we had, like, servers at each local place, uh, you know, but – 
it, it, we couldn't do anything. I mean, it was very limited. Anything, you know, there was more and more internet-based type um, opportunities for educational software that we couldn't take advantage of because we the speed it just it wasn't there. We just didn't have the tunnel. And the the thing that I've always um, used as an example for for people, and, and I think this was one of the things that really helped me sell this in a presentation. I on my uh, PowerPoint presentations, I had a little tiny dot that you could hardly see, and I said that's that's like a straw. And then I had this the whole screen was a big circle and i said that's like a like a um a storm drain and what we're trying to do is get the water that we would normally put through a storm drain we're trying to get through that little dot a straw and i said it, it, what we're trying to do is fill a swimming pool with a straw um, mm -hmm. and that's that's the problem that we have we just don't have enough bandwidth and um to do the things that we want to do so i immediately i was like we've got to do something uh, about this and what are the what are the options well, the, the challenge was being a bedroom community and not having a lot of business in industry, um, the providers that we had at the time, and it was Adelphia at the time, and later Comcast um, bought them out, but Adelphia was the cable provider, and Verizon was the primary um, provider for telecommunications. Um, they don't have the infrastructure in this county. They, you know, it, it, it's not in their business model. And this is the thing I think it's important. You know, it wasn't necessarily a criticism of of the the big guys, but they, you know, they're in in business to make money, and there really was an opportunity wasn't an opportunity to make a lot of money. Uh, Carroll County is a suburb of Baltimore, but it also has a lot of rural areas. Um, so there wasn't even a lot of potential for uh, at the time for um, residential use where they could make their money back on a, a on a huge investment of infrastructure. Um, so we just didn't have the opportunity. We didn't, you know, what else can we do? And we had no third party. We had no business that could help us out. Right. You said it, it's not a criticism. It's really it's re the word I think is recognition. It's uh, Comcast and Verizon have obligations to their shareholders and they have to invest where they get the highest return. And Correct. a place like Carroll County, I mean, heck, you know, Baltimore didn't even get Fios, so mm -hmm. um, it's hard to imagine that they would be prioritizing um, Carroll County. That's not their model. They're not a let's build it and they will come. They don't need that. They're looking for business opportunities that already exist, and then they're going to build it to you know to make sure they get their their money back. So that was the challenge that we had. We, also at the time, so all of our schools could be connected together on a telephone system. We had what, what's called a Centrex system, which was very expensive. When you when you do the math of computing it out. Um, we for each of the lines, and we had close to nine or nine hundred, maybe a thousand lines total. When you include all of the schools and all the different lines that are needed for all the offices, and then its central office, it was about a nine hundred thousand, I think, at its peak Centrex system. And it, when you compute everything out, it was like fifty-five dollars a month per line. Um, so that was a very expensive proposition, also. Um, so when we, you know, when when we first looked at what what we could do and looked at the opportunities for with Verizon, I mean, obviously we could go to to DS3 circuits to each school, um, but it was just completely cost prohibitive. And that would have um, been 45 megabits for the people who yes. uh, who are fortunate not to have their brains crammed full of acronyms. Right. So so instead of a straw, we might have had like a quarter inch pipe. Um, so that it would be better, but in the grand scheme of things, we knew that it was it would be another temporary solution. And the problem with the temporary solution is Verizon wanted a long-term commitment, and we were we 
were unwilling to do that because, you know, look forward thinking. It's like, you know, this isn't going to work and what's, what's the next thing? So this was all about the time where Verizon was coming out with their TLS service, Metro Ethernet kind of thing. Um, the problem with that, that, for them to offer that in a county, they didn't, in this county, they didn't, again, they didn't have the infrastructure to do that. So they put a proposal together for Carroll County, um, and basically when you get right down to it, and it, Carroll, the schools are spread out throughout the county, so by, by them proposing for the school system to go to this solution that they, that they had, um, they were, they were going to put the infrastructure throughout the county and create other opportunities for themselves. Um, unfortunately, it was going to be financed by Carroll County Public Schools because they weren't going to build the infrastructure on their own. They basically, you know, factored in. I mean, it's not like they said, here, you pay for the, us building the infrastructure, but obviously the costs that were associated, they wanted a five-year commitment um, and the cost of doing the, these kind of circuits, and again, it was a lease circuit. It's it's kind of like renting a house, and it can be good sometimes. But um, you know, you're you're paying to we would be paying them a monthly fee um, to lease these circuits, but we would own nothing. Um, and the, in the grand scheme of things, the 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 investment would have been close to ten million dollars, and the the whole school system budget is around uh, 300 million my whole budget in the information technology department which is everything including salaries of staff and all the computers we buy was was less than 5 million at the time um we were spending around um completely around i'm going to say in the neighborhood of uh, 700,000 on telecommunications um so obviously that was just not feasible. We we couldn't do it. So along that time, um, we had a relationship with Nortel Networks, primarily because all all of our phone switches in the schools we were using Northstar systems. So we had uh, mostly Nortel handsets and and Nortel switches at all the at all the schools. So we had that relationship with Nortel. And at the time they were really building their networking part of their business. So they offered to do a um, a feasibility study because they they you know, I shared with our, our sales guy and um, some of the challenges we were having. So they did a, a feasibility study of doing a, 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 a fiber optic type network um, that would be built for the county school system. So we, we did that and, and it's, you know, it was something that would seem very feasible. Um, and it really, it just, it was a financial problem. You know, it's got to get funded. The challenge that we, um, that we had is that uh, Carroll County also tends to be a very conservative community and um, the one of the biggest factors of the budget that the county has is funding the school system so you know to to come and say come back and say we need all this money just for the school system eh, yeah, people weren't going to be real fond of that i mean they you know uh, the, the they people are proud of the school system or a very successful school system but it just wasn't really feasible at the same time um Dr. Robert Wack, who was on the Westminster City Council and was on the Cable Commission, um, had been floating around some ideas that, that I found out about. And I got together with Dr. Wack, and at that point, we, um, you know, I had already developed a vision for Carroll County Public Schools of, of this fiber optic network, and it was kind of had developed, you know, having started in 2002, but had developed a whole technology plan. We called it a technology evolution strategy. It was kind of like a 10-year plan. And it was mostly pie in the sky, to be honest with you, or at least most people thought it was, and I probably thought it was too, to some degree. 
but when I talked to Dr. Wack, we started talking about, you know, we could get the other agencies involved. We, we got to sell this as something much bigger than just Carroll County Public Schools. We could get the Carroll County government. We have eight municipalities, um, independent municipalities in the, in the, um, in the county. Um, you know, they have city halls, the volunteer fire departments, emergency services, the Carroll Community College, the Carroll County Public Library. And, you know, it would be really cool if we built this network and we built it way over capacity, um, then we could even lease out the fiber. Now, this is back in the early 2000s. It was a lot different landscape. Um, you didn't really talk about that because there was a lot of pressure from Verizon. And there was, so it was, it was something that was really looked down upon and, and it was um, not, not as, as something that would, like it is today is something that's actually um, successful. So we were we were kind of always plan had the idea of the economic development, but we really couldn't talk about it much. So to make a long story short, we floated the idea to um, some of the county some of the county uh, officials, and they really liked the idea of the economic development p potential. And the economic development potential being leasing the excess capacity so we could attract business and industry here. That was a, that was the the green light for us to to really start thinking about how we might be able to do this. And that, that really, that economic development potential, because at the county level, they certainly understood what I talked about at the beginning of this conversation is that we had a, a challenge of being a bedroom community and not having a lot of business and industry to help support the, the, the tax base. That was really how we sold the, sold the idea. Um, one of the, some of the themes that I that I'd like to pull out, or one is, you know, you have this network that's not meeting your needs, and and uh, was was fairly expensive, especially for not meeting your needs, and and rather than just trying to figure out a way to just replace that with another hub and spoke network that would just serve the schools, you know, you thought broader, you were able to bring in others and consider building a, a network that would just have an infinite number of uses, ideally. Um, and, and I think that's, it's really important for people to, to recognize that, um, especially in 2013, let alone 2003, but we really need to make sure we're not doing any of these like silo networks, the idea of one Correct. network for one, one actor. Exactly. It's all about economies of scale, and that was the the piece that we sold also. So what what we what we were able to do is the cable commission actually was able to help fund a, a second study. Now the first we called the Nortel audit. The first thing that was specifically to the for the school system. But then the Cable Commission was able to fund um, a, an actual feasibility study that was performed by Columbia Telecommunications Corporation, which is a, a consulting company. Um, they came out and did a feasibility study of what it would take to build a fiber optic network, a countywide fiber optic network, um, and they put in a business model. Um, and of course, it was all based on estimates at the time. Um, but they, they, when they did this, they basically came up with a, a model of investing approximately $7.4 million and having a return on investment of just the way we're doing business now, okay, of 10 to 12 years. So in other words, in 10 to 12 years, the network, based on how these agencies were doing business now, not doing any additional functionality, but just what we're doing now, it would pay for itself in 10 to 12 years. Obviously, it would also enable a lot of things. So there's all that opportunity value, opportunity cost, opportunity value of things that we weren't capable of doing right now. And if we were to try and do it, it would cost an exorbitant amount of money um, to be able to do like video teleconferencing at the schools or whatever. So um, that was the key to it for selling the idea. We, you know, we went everywhere, talked it up, and we, we sold we sold it. And they, the county at that time funded it um, through a, a capital project. 
The first thing that happened, even before we had the feasibility study by the Columbia Telecommunications, we actually got together with the um, county government and the community college and the public library, and we created what we called the Carroll County Public Network, of which I was not elected as chairman and have been the chairman ever since. Um, so it's been about 10 years. But we created this Carroll County Public Network consortium for the public aspect, you know, and that's all we talked about. Uh, you know, again, not talking about the economic development and leasing and all that kind of stuff, fiber. And it was these four organizations, the IT departments, and we created an MOU where all of our organizations signed, and we're going to get together for the purposes of expanding the use of technology and a network, a fiber optic network in the county. But we also had other cooperative efforts, and it truly is remarkable. And what I think sets us apart is we've had these four IT departments from, from these, these four organizations and um, issued the RFP when we were building the network. So we are the organization that kind of ran the, um, the administration of building and, and, and creating the network. Um, but the thing that's interesting about it, there's in some of the some counties now, there's even where, places where they're combining the IT departments, where they're just making one IT department with the schools and the and the and the libraries and the government. And and I think that's personally, I I, I don't see how that works because you know, like I always joke with the uh, Mark Ripper, who is the um, CIO over the county government. You know, he doesn't want to get involved in my you know my uh, grading grades, and I don't want to get involved in his techs you know, database and all that. We each have our own areas of responsibility, but the things that we can do together, um, we work on together. And, and so we've had a number of initiatives beyond the um, fiber optic network where we're really trying to get the economies of scale uh, by working together, sharing resources. We're all, you know, as most IT organizations are, we're really under-resourced. And so by sharing, knowledge sharing, that really was the first thing. That's really how this really came about. Um, then we, after we had the Carroll County Public Network was established, then we did the, the, the uh, feasibility study, and then we got it funded, and then, then the rest, you know, we kind of took it from there. The thing that's very interesting is that um, some of the savings that we've been able to create uh, we were able to, you know, my vision immediately was the voice over IP, get rid of Centrex. And so as we build out each location, we were putting them on the voice over IP network, dropping the, 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 uh, the uh, Centrex. Same with the, the Internet. The only thing we're paying, the only thing we're leasing with the library is our Internet connection, Internet service provider now, which is a 500 meg connection. Um, but everything else is our own network, and that's the thing that's very important. So we're not paying a monthly fee for anything except, obviously, we had to pay for equipment and you know, the sustainability of the equipment replacement um, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. So there, you know, there was cost. I mean, it's not like it was you know, free. We had to make an investment. And there's and there's ongoing costs as well. And it's on it's ongoing, but it's a fraction of what it is when you're just paying when you're leasing. It's you know when you when you buy a house, you own it, and when you spend money to improve it, hopefully, you know, I don't know if it's as true right now with the economy, but it's it's adding value to the house. So it's an investment. Whereas when you're renting, you're just paying the same amount, and it doesn't you know it's when you leave, you leave that you don't own anything. It's not yours. So um, right. I think it's like it's almost like energy efficiency in the sense that. That you've made an investment and you're saving a lot as a result of that, and it's going to take um, at a you know at most ten years based on as you said your your previous patterns. And if you factor in your existing patterns, the cost of 
duplicating what you have now would be would just be um, far beyond your means. I'm guessing to to oh, lease those lines. Absolutely. I mean, if we were trying to do what we're able to do now, if we were trying to do that through leasing circuits through Verizon, I, it, I mean, it would be laughable what it would, it would cost. Um, and I, again, that's not a criticism of Verizon, but that's just the reality of, of, the, of the situation for us in Carroll County. So by eliminating all those T1 circuits, by eliminating the Centrex, you know, we were saving um, in the neighborhood now of six hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars a year. And if you look at the what we had to reinvest as as an original, at the time I, I would say it was probably about forty percent of that savings. So we may maybe had to invest, you know, in the neighborhood of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in equipment to create this network, but that was initial investment, and the ongoing is much less than that. I would say it's in the neighborhood of a 20% um, we're paying on an ongoing because, you know, when we the initial investment was a capital investment in the equipment, and obviously it lasts for a longer period of time. So if you look at it over time and what we're paying for the maintenance and, and, the, and the, some some help with, with a company that we had actually hired, um, Skyline Network Engineering, um, was a, actually a local company that actually um, built the network and is now managing it for us. So we don't worry about you know when the when there's a car accident and and somebody knocks a pole down that you know they do all the all the service level type things mm -hmm. um, for repair. But the the point is you know we're saving the school system. And this is just a school system about six six seven hundred thousand a year is what we saved in those lease costs. Spent initially maybe in a two hundred and fifty ish to get the equipment, but the ongoing cost is probably only about maybe 20% of that of what we're saving. What we did is we took the savings and we reinvested it. So we invested it in things that made us more efficient or enabled us to do additional things that we couldn't do before. And that's the key to it because from an instructional point of view, that's what that was the ultimate goal when it all started back in January 2002 when I got here it was like how can we improve instruction and so we've been able to invest that savings to create these opportunities for example um, one of the biggest challenges that you have in a larger school district is you have like maybe advanced placement courses or whatever where you know there's not a huge level of, of interest and I'll give an example somebody wants to take a class in Russian and we have eight high schools. And one high school, there's enough student interest to hire a teacher and offer that class. But maybe one of the other high schools in the more rural area, there might be one kid that's interested. Well, you can't offer it at that school, so that kid doesn't have that opportunity. So we started piloting um, the creation of distance learning within our county. So it's an intra-county distance learning. We, were, we also utilize out-of-county um, you know, third service providers for uh, kids like home and hospital kids who are homesick or whatever. So we we um, utilize um, a distance learning type of situation um, for for those students, but also just within the class and it's still being defined and, and, and vetted. But we have that opportunity where you know that didn't exist before. Um, a lot more with uh, video streaming. We another thing that we did um, that Comcast allowed us to do. Um, we actually are. are allowed to take eight of their channels, educational channels, and restream them back out so we don't have to have TVs everywhere, um, any uh, these channels. And we chose like the History Channel and the Discovery Channel and a, a news station, you know, things like that. But 
they we can stream those to the desktop. We did a countywide surveillance system, which we wouldn't have had the ability to do. Now we have a, uh, a countywide solution that we're actually on the same system with the county government and the uh, community college where we are um, – have the uh, the surveillance system that's uh, you know web based um, and there's different levels of authorization. But the other thing that we've been able to do is allow authorization for local law enforcement, um, and we're still in the process of defining all that. But the the idea being that you know um, if there were a situation in the school, uh, law enforcement would have the capability of you know you know looking looking in on different camera views and, and things like that. So that really a big picture thing and in integrating with the other agencies. It's really an impressive um, result, and um, we haven't been able – we're not going to be able to cover all of it, unfortunately, today. I think one of the things that we've done today is to go more in-depth and to focus on a few aspects, a lot of the, the history and your thinking behind it. And I think that's really valuable for others who are in a, a similar position. Um, and so some of the, the other details of the network uh, people can find by checking out our site, muninetworks.org. Um, as we as we close out, I just really want to hit on just once again the fact that you are able to reinvest the savings. I think is really a key point that others need to take away. Right. I, I think the key points, just to summarize, you know, I think the cooperative effort, you know, and getting rid of the redundancies and the silos. Uh, another really important thing I want to touch on really quickly is that we created a backup data center for all of us. When the when the public library moved their headquarters, they moved to a different location that is within our within our county, so it's not optimal for a redundant data center, but it was in a different power grid. Um, but we utilize them, as does the community college and the county government, as their backup data center, and then they utilize us as their backup data center. So instead of each one of us individually you know, going out and leasing a building or coming in with some arrangement where we were paying for a backup data center, we're able to use each other. So that cooperative effort, you know, to be able to check your egos at the door and, you know, work together as a team and, and look beyond your own little world that you're in charge of. So that's one key thing is really thinking big and, and being able to, to team together with people that, you know, you don't have to agree on everything, but you you, you see what you have in common. That's the, the first thing. The second thing is that reinvestment. Um, and and utilizing the the network and then the savings that you create you know when you come up with your business model the first thing you have to attack is well how is it going to save you money then taking that money that your savings and immediately reinvesting it just don't 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 put it on the side reinvest it in the technology because it's just going to keep multiplying it's 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 like an exponent you know a power of two every time you multiply it it's, it keeps getting bigger because of the things that you're able to do that you couldn't do and if you had to to pay for it there's just no way you could pay for it so those are the two key factors i think in anybody undertaking something like this and understanding the business potential that it, this is not anti-business this is pro-business this is a good government this is a government investing creating an environment for business to flourish. There's nothing to say that Verizon or any small company in Carroll County can't utilize and th this fiber that they they weren't going to invest and buy, but they can utilize it and then they can provide last mile service. Um, you know, a lot of things they, it creates opportunity for business, not just the small guys, but even the big guys if it's something that they want to utilize. So it's a it, it really is a, a partnership. It's a government business partnership, and it, it should not be viewed as an anti-business thing in any way way shape or form. Well, we look forward to, to seeing how it progresses, and uh, um, I, I get the sense that we could definitely come back and have yet another 
very in-depth discussion about some of the the recent um, results of the network. And I, I look forward to doing that. I'm sure we'll check in with you uh, as you progress. But uh, thank you, thank you very much for uh, taking the time. Right. Excellent. Thank you. Have a Take great it day. Easy. Yep. You too. Bye. Thank you, Gary Davis from Carroll County Public Schools and the Carroll County Public Network. We recently ran a detailed post about the network, and you can check it out at muninetworks.org. Just follow the Carroll County tag, and that's spelled C-A-R-R-O-L-L. Westminster, the county seat, is also working on its own network project. We look forward to bringing you more information about all that's happening in Carroll County in Maryland. We want to hear your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. You can follow us on Twitter where our handle is at Community Nets. This show was released on April 23, 2013. We want to thank Mount Carmel for their song, Oh Louisa, Slow Blues. It was licensed using Creative Commons. Thanks for listening. 